You are listening to a message from Thrive Community Church, a church located in Southwest Florida. For more info, visit us at thrive-fl.org. Yes, we're starting a new series today called Stupid. We're going to be looking at Proverbs today. Wisdom is personified as a female, a woman, a virtuous woman. And so is folly, by the way. But (laughs) wisdom is female. Okay, yeah, it's fascinating. So we are starting this study today, and I don't know um, if it hits you immediately when you saw this title, Stupid, but I thought of it right away, the phrase from Forrest Gump, Stupid is what stupid does. Yeah, I don't know if you remember that movie. And what's fascinating about it, though, is um, Forrest actually is not stupid in this movie. Now, he becomes a foil. He becomes kind of a um, mirror for all the stupidity of those around him in one form or another. But he lives as one who is faithful, who is trustworthy, who is a true, you know, just who you'd want to be outside of his IQ. And the people around him, like Jenny, finally comes to her senses towards the end of the movie and realizes the faithfulness and the love and the commitment that Forrest has had for her throughout her whole life. It's kind of fascinating, and you learn sometimes the best thing in a movie like that, and I think what we're going to do today, you learn what wisdom is by looking at its opposite first. That's what this series is all about, okay? So let's pray. Lord God, as we start this series Um, we ask that you'd wise us up, that we would find our wisdom from you, that you would teach us what it means to be wise, how we can live, how we can respond to your goodness, and how we can share that wisdom with others. Lord, we thank you for um, where we are here in Southwest Florida. We thank you that you've placed us in this community, but more than that, you've placed us in this community here at Thrive. Everyone belongs here, Lord God, Everyone can grow in wisdom, and we thank you for that. We pray that you would bless our time together in your word today, um, that you would also bless those in other Christian churches across Southwest Florida, that together we would celebrate your goodness and grace and the gospel of your truth today, and it would really impact many, many, many lives. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, To learn about wisdom, we're going to look at its antonym, stupid, or the fool, from the book of Proverbs. And we're going to be looking at a number of passages. You can look, actually, if you want to follow along uh, with the notes for this, you can look at the Bible app. It's the U version. It's a free thing. And when you download it, you tap on more, and then you go to events. And if you've got your location services on, Boom, Thrive Community Church pops up right away. If you don't, you just type in the zip code 33928, and it should be one of the first. Um, Only during like 30 minutes before the service and 30 minutes after is this up. There's so many people that use this free app that they just can't keep the notes up. But if you take notes in it, you can store them for the future. It might be a wise thing to do. Okay, so we're going to be looking at a number of passages in Proverbs because it kind of circularly goes through different themes all the way through the many chapters. So I'm just going to be reading these together right now. You can watch them on the screen or see it on the app. 
How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fool destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. A fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. There is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way of, to death. Strike a scoffer and the simple will learn prudence. Reprove a man of understanding and he will gain knowledge. Scoffer is the name of the arrogant, haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. So what we're going to learn from these Proverbs are these three things today. What stupid is, what kinds of stupid there are, and finally, how to be stupid no more. Sound good? Yeah. So what is stupid? Now, a fool, according to, um, I think, if you kind of do a long history all the way through and read kind of all of Proverbs, a fool is someone who is out of touch or out of sync with reality and with two basic fundamental truths. Um, a fool is someone who's so out of touch with reality now, but also should know better at the same time. So instance, for instance, if a three-year-old child picks up a burning stick and is curious and burns himself with it, you wouldn't call him a fool. But if a 15-year-old child picks up a burning stick and touches himself with it, that's a fool, <laughs> okay? Because he should know better by then. He should have had enough experience to have learned enough to know better. So when the Bible talks about a fool, we're not talking, though, about a technological fool, like, I don't know how to use my smartphone. My phone is smarter than I am. That's not biblical fool, okay? And, um, or like, you're wise in sports, but you're really dumb in finances. That's not a fool according to the Bible. No, a fool is one who, like I said, is out of sync with two realities. And these are the realities that throughout the Bible we have to grapple with. The first is creatureliness. That is, when God created the world, there is a order to the way things work. There's a physical order, there's a moral order, there is an emo a relational order of how things work. For instance, you can't just eat anything you want, as much as you want, all the time you want, whenever you want, and expect your body just handles it, and there are no consequences to that. And if you think you can, you're being stupid, right? You basically start losing some great things in life. I, um, a friend of mine, he's no longer um, here on this earth. He's with the Lord. But Dick, um, I met him in Baton Rouge, Louisiana in his late 40s, early 50s. And um, he would even say he looked like he was about 70 years old. 
And the reason is he had so many aches and pains and so much going on, so much not healthy. And he looked at me and said, John, if I knew how long I would have lived, I would have treated my body better. He was a... He was kind of a wild child and a hard-living kind of guy, especially during his wonderful college years, and it had caught up to him. He admitted it. He had wised up, but it still, he faced the consequences of that. Okay. Um, now, it's not just true in the physical world. This is also true with the kind of relational, moral, spiritual order that the world is set up. For example, if you're always going to put your needs first, your desires first, what you want first, you're going to live your life just for yourself and whatever I can get out of it. And the people around you, you tend to use them for your pleasure or your enjoyment. They're great when you really, 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 you know, hey, we're going to have fun tonight. But when they have a need... Or if, they, if it's inconvenient, you drop them. Do you understand how that works? And if everybody's kind of living like that, you know what you've got? Social breakdown, chaos. You've got, well, the United States of America today. <laughs> we're having a lot of things breaking down, and we can see some of the chaos in our lives but because we're putting me first above everything else. Now, if you're even just doing that individually, what happens is your friendships, well, you might not even have many because, and your family is either totally disconnected or is in competition with each other because everyone's just looking for me first. So you can't just live the way you want and expect to choose the way I want to live and choose the consequences of the way I want to live. It just doesn't work that way. I don't know if there are a few teachers here this morning. I remember way back when we used to, Lisa and I uh, lived in California, the principal I had there used a um, system for their teachers called Love and Logic. Have you ever heard of that one? No? And basically, it's natural consequences let Children face natural consequences, then they start wising up. If you take away the natural consequences, always fix things for them, they will never learn. They continue to stay foolish, if not unwise. So it's kind of like you can choose your behavior, but you can't choose the consequence of it. That's kind of love and logic in a nutshell. So that's one way to be a, a fool, is to be out of sync with the creatureliness of this world, that there is a moral, emotional, physical order to things, and I need to live in alignment with that. Secondly, though, there is the brokenness of this world. A lot of people don't come to terms with and are out of sync with the brokenness of this world. And what I mean by that is you can live truly a moral, upright life. You can work hard. You can get your rest. You can have everything going in your life according to what you believe should happen, and still bad things happen. Notice that? And if you're surprised, oh, well, it shouldn't be that way, you're not in touch with the brokenness of this world. If you've ever read or know the summary of the Old Testament book of Job, Job's friends were stupid, and God called them on that because they came to Job, and they saw all these bad things that happened to Job, and their assumption was, if bad things happen to you, it's because you have been bad, and you deserve everything coming your way. It's basically what they said in, like, 
30 chapters. <laughs> and God calls them out at the end and says, you're stupid. You don't understand the brokenness of this world. Okay? Uh, I, I've seen people who have been stupid who believe that God works by formulas. You know, I do this and then I get this. So you give $10 in to this ministry and over the course of the year, you're going to get $1,000 back in the name of Jesus. And they believe it. They don't understand the brokenness of this world. Somehow they're not reading all the passages, that kind of prosperity gospel, in the letters of Peter and Paul, where they lived according to God's plans for their lives, and man, both feet fell on them in the world. They were persecuted, they were maligned, they were imprisoned, they were all sorts of things happened to them. Let alone Jesus, who I don't remember owning anything, not even a second pair of clothing. So how does that align, right? So you can be stupid if you are out of sync or out of touch with the reality of the, your creatureliness or out of the reality of your brokenness and the world's brokenness. So that's what stupid is. That is what a fool is. Someone who's out of touch of reality and should know better. But secondly, or B, what kinds of stupid there are? And they all three are listed, actually, that we're going to look at today in Proverbs 1.22 that I read uh, previously, where it says, How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing? And fools hate knowledge. Now, in English, you can see the words are simple, scoffers, and fools. Um, in the Greek, it might be better to put it this way, or in the Hebrew, excuse me. So it's petayim for the gullible, the simple ones. It's keselim for the obstinate ones. So that's the scoffer there. And thirdly, it's lesayim, or for people, uh, it's usually translated as fool, but it really means someone who's ruthless and cruel. So those are the three types of stupid. So the gullible stupid are those, well, Proverbs 14, 15 says it. The simple believes everything. The prudent gives thought to his steps. You might know some people who are simple, that is gullible, that is they believe anything that anybody tells them because the point isn't that you shouldn't believe things, but the point is they haven't grown in any discernment over the years. Now, children... I remember another book, I think, um, when I was out in California about children. They're like wet cement was the title of it. The idea is that they are to be formed at that point. But over the years of childhood, we are to ha lay a firm foundation of good decision-making on which we build. But some people just choose not to do that. They just want to go with whatever is easy and fun and nice and exciting and thrilling, etc. There are thrill-seekers or emotional comfort-seekers time and again, and they simply just do whatever anybody says that's going to be fun or nice or worthwhile. Making decisions sometimes can be hard because you have to delay your personal gratification to do the right thing at times. And the simple are those that, oh no, whatever's easiest in front of me, that's got to be the right thing. If it feels good, it has to be morally good. It's a very simple formula. And sorry to say, I think there are 
And you can be a follower of Jesus and be someone who is simple and stupid in this way. And what I mean by that is there are people who look for the spectacular. They're always looking for the best. And the, oh, this is a, and they, they go for the show. They, 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 um, they follow their feelings. They're looking for someone, an individual like a preacher type, or some place to infuse in them joy and excitement. And when that's gone, they move on. So they never sit into a ministry for any length of time. They never build relationships over time. And therefore, they miss out on everything. Now, I don't want you to confuse sophistication and simplicity or unsophistication with this understanding of simplicity. There are people who haven't traveled much, have very simple tastes, who um, may not have a lot of book knowledge, who are not fools of any type at all. They're pretty well grounded. They understand how things work. They are very solid individuals. So IQ and wisdom are not... Co, you know, they don't, they are not synonyms in any form, okay? But that's the simple stupid. The next is the obstinate stupid that comes out in Proverbs 15, 5 that we read. A fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. These are the know-it-alls. Now, I think every one of us, if you've been a teenager or are a teenager, have gone through some of this, Right? Any of you have a know-it-all teenager ever in your life? I definitely was a know-it-all teenager, and it's, I'm getting paid back right now. <laughs> and if you, yeah. Um, so we kind of go through that unbearable age that we know it all, but some people stay that way. Okay? As a result, the know-it-all or the obstinate is this, I know the right way to do it. This is the way to do it. This is the only way to do it. It's my way. They're inflexible. They're almost the opposite of the simple stupid who um, will allow anybody to form them and they'll go in any direction. The obstinate stupid are the ones who just have to have it their way. And, that's the only, and sometimes that's good. And sometimes it isn't. Jerome Kagan he, uh, is a now retired psychologist uh, from Harvard University, and he has studied human behavior for a long time, and especially this whole debate between nature and nurture. You know, are you born with these traits, or do you develop them because of the environment you're in? And what he has found, he said, we've done our studies in 36 countries, and everywhere we find the same three ways in which behavior can differ. To varying degrees, all people express fear, which helps us avoid danger, aggression, which helps us to fight it, and extroversion or sociability, which enables us to face it with equanimity. Fundamentally, our temperaments are distinguished by the traits of anxiety, irritability, and elan. And I know, what's that word, elan? It's one of the shortest words I've ever heard, and yet it's like, what? Basically, optimism. Oh, everything's going to be fine. The Pollyanna types. Now, what he's saying is everyone's naturally born with a certain temperament. It might be one of anxiety and fear. It might be one of aggression and irritability. And it might be one of optimism and quesera. Ah, everything's going to be fine. And in any given circumstance, 
One of the three is wonderful. You know, there are times where being anxious, ang more anxious people prepare well ahead of time. They're the students that actually get their work done on time, by the way. <laughs> Aren't they? Yeah. They may worry too much about it, and then they're, they're also the ones that call up their professors or their teachers. Oh, what about the, am I doing this right? Am I doing this right? Am I, have you any anxious students? Yeah, isn't it crazy? And then there are the obstinate students that just, this is the, I've got this right. I know I've got this right. You, you, you're teaching this wrong. <laughs> and know anybody like that? Yeah. And then there's, oh, whatever, you know, this is great. Oh, yeah, I was supposed to learn, and, you know. And they don't, you know, they're, wonder, they're the class clowns. They're having fun, but they're not getting a lot done. Do you understand? All three of them are good at some points. Being anxious is a good thing when you've got a threat and you want to prepare for it. Being um, <clears throat> aggressive can be a good thing. You can get irritated and do something about it quickly. And sometimes it is great not to worry about anything and let it happen. But there are other times having your default obstinate way of doing things is wrong. And so Kagan says, don't assume that just because a person has a temperament quality, he has no conscious control over it. Okay? Do you get that? You can change. And he says, actually, that's what parents are for. Everybody needs parenting. Don't just let, you know, a lot of parents today are being, oh, well, this is the way the child is. That's the way they're going to be. Let them be that way. That's no parenting at all. There is time to actually intervene, to balance out their default settings. And my point is not to bring this all up about parenting per se. What I'm bringing this up is that we all actually need parenting, no matter the age that we are. We all need it from parents. We need it from people who are older than us. We need it from our friends and our peers. We even especially need it from God. So there's this proverb. Okay, um, this proverb that says, um, Proverbs 16, 25, we read, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. What this really means is we all have our defaults. We think, I know exactly how to handle this. And if we get no advice from anyone else, we are not involved in it, and we won't listen to anyone else, sometimes... It's not simply wrong way to handle something. It's tragic and can even be deadly. Sometimes you need to zig instead of zag. Sometimes you don't need to be aggressive. You need to actually be preventative. So, you need to be a child of God. You need to be parented by God. And God actually challenges the dark side of your temperament, whichever way that you naturally are. And you know, all those things that come into your life that are like irritants and difficulties and stresses and temptations and trials, that's God actually using those to try to Balance out your personal temperament to make you more and more like Jesus rather than just the default answer. 
So the obstinate stupid will not learn and keep hitting their heads against God's walls in life. Finally, there's the ruthless stupid. These are ones that sometimes in the parables are called the scoffer. For instance, uh, our Proverbs. Scoffer is the name of the arrogant, haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. So a gullible person hears something and, and like criticism and just is devastated by it. The obstinate person is criticized constructively or whatever, and just blows it off and says, I'm going to do my own thing. The ruthless stupid hear criticism and they attack. They pay it back. Often in our society, the ruthless stupid aren't even seen as stupid. They think this is the way our society is supposed to work. It's kind of the dog-eat-dog -dog world. And so we're supposed to just be that way. And if we never give in and we never, and we uh, give it back the way that we get it, we get ahead in life. They might be smart about money. They may be savvy about transactions. They may be extremely talented, verbal people in great relation, uh, you know, great with all sorts of things. But the one thing they're counting on, the ruthless stupid, is that every human interaction with them is just a transaction that's supposed to benefit them. And it's not at all about anyone else. And they put themselves first in all situations. And they use you. So as long as you're praising them, they like you. If you've got something to offer them, they'll pay attention to you. If you ever criticize them or think differently from them in any way that would diminish them, they will drop you like a hot rock or attack you personally. Adam Grant um, actually wrote a book um, I've used in one of my leadership classes. It's a great book. It's called Give and Take. He is uh, from the business school at the Wharton Business School. And in it, he found successful people in life. He looks at how they are successful across all sorts of places. He says, we're one of three types of people. There are givers, there are matchers, and there are takers. The givers give more than they necessarily receive. They just are naturally doing that. The matchers always kind of keep it equal, and the takers assume take more than they give. And in our society, in Western society now, we think the people who are the most successful are takers. That is, they are the ones who rise to the top among the CEOs, among the political candidates, everything else. Takers win, and anybody who's just a giver is a schmuck. But what he found out is that takers might win for a while. They might rise quickly, but he said at some point in time, they are kicked down swiftly. The ruthless are assuming a false reality that everything is just about me. Everything is just about power and games. Everything is to be used for my advantage. And when they do that, they lose their relationships, their friendships, their credibility, all sorts of things in the end. This is nothing new that Adam Grant found. 
It basically comes back to Proverbs 16.8, where it says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So that's the three types. And don't you see the three types of stupid are very different, and yet at the same time, they're not in touch with their creatureliness and the brokenness of the world. And if you haven't felt right now a little dinged by any of this, I think we're all feeling a little bit stupid right now. And so now, how to be stupid no more. As I said um, at the beginning, Proverbs personifies wisdom as a virtuous woman. And our Proverbs 8.32 puts it this way. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. It's not so simple to just say, hey, I don't want to be stupid any longer. I'm going to wise up. You can't do that on your own. Proverbs is saying more clearly all the way through, if not just here, is that you are not naturally wise. You are not naturally wise. We're all fools to begin with. We're all fools, but we can become wise. And you gain wisdom by receiving wisdom, by listening to the instruction from outside of yourself. And it takes a change in your disposition to even receive it. So the question is really, how do you make that turn so that you actually can become wise? Well, the Apostle Paul talks about wisdom quite a bit to a know-it-all church in Corinth. Let me tell you, they were know-it-alls. They were filled with knowledge, he says, but they lacked love. And for, it wouldn't be a bad thing to read the first three chapters of 1 Corinthians this week because it's all, about how, uh, it's all about wisdom and what true wisdom is. And he says in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, kind of as a summary of all this, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. He's telling you how to become wise. You have to admit, you've been utterly stupid in the first place. For Paul, he ran head all along into it. You can read it in Acts chapter 9, where he was dead set, obstinately set, self-righteously set, knowing exactly what God wanted, thinking he knew it all. And those people who are following this way of Jesus were wrong. And so he headed to Damascus. And as he heads there, God intervenes. Jesus stops him in his tracks, blinds him, and says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And the thing that Paul learned more is that why didn't Jesus just kill me on the spot? He learned about God's grace and softened his heart. God should have struck him dead, but didn't. He spared him. You know what you learn in the Bible? If you read any of the stories in the Bible, you will see that no one ever came to God by wanting to just improve the way they already were. Did you know that? Not Paul, not Peter, not any person in Scripture ever comes to God saying, oh, I just need to be a little more of who I already am. Now, they might have gone through a rebellious phase and 
then there was a change. Or they may have been through a totally self and, uh, self-righteous moral phase, but there had to be a change. There was always a change regardless. It's called repentance in the Bible, a turning around, a total change of direction in one form or another. The only way anyone ever wises up is to despair over their own stupidity and what they thought they knew, who they thought they were, what they thought they had, and to then receive what God has for them instead. And so Paul himself learned that God's wisdom looks kind of foolish in itself, that what I thought was wise wasn't, and what I thought was stupid was actually the wisdom of God. It just was a total three, six, uh, 180. <laughs> 360, it'd be all the way around. Okay. Because do you realize when Jesus went to the cross, he was basically considered a fool for going there? So in the Gospel of Matthew, it says this way, the chief priests, so the, the most important people, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, the elders, mock him, okay? Mock him, basically, you fool. And this is why they said he was a fool. He saved others. He can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross, and we'll believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him if he wants him, for he said, I am the son of God. And even then, not only the wisest, but two people who were dying next to him, both thieves, also heaped insults on him. Everybody thought Jesus was a fool for being there. And the truth is, he could have saved himself. Right? He chose instead to save others. Everyone thought he was a fool, but it's that foolishness of God that he chose not to save himself that is wiser than the wisdom of any human being. At the cross, you see there's a moral order to the universe that there has to be justice. But at the cross, you also see that there is a brokenness in the world that a fully righteous person is condemned by the world. And at the cross, you see beyond those two realities that there is the mercy and grace of God that chooses to sacrifice his son to save you and me. Now, if any of this is sinking in today, you're starting to wise up. But there's one more reality I want to stress, okay? And that is, the book of Proverbs was never written to just be read on your own and just, oh, okay, I've got it now. Book learning. You can memorize it all and still become a fool. Okay? No, it was meant to be read in community, to be read with others, to have wise instruction. To, and it kind of unfolds over time. So you saw these passages we looked at started at the beginning, but kind of went all the way through to chapter 21. And it took time to read together, to discuss together, to do that. That's why we emphasize here at uh, Thrive the whole idea of home huddles. I need other people to become wise. I don't get wise myself. I'd be a fool to think all I have to do is study it on my own, and I've got it all nailed down and figured out. That's why we have such home. That's why we need community. You can't do this alone. So if you want to know how to be stupid no more, okay, you have to open yourself up to other people who also realize they need to be stupid no more. 
So I know we've tried starting a new huddle. We're trying to get it together. I think Sam Oliviera, sorry, it's a long name. I might have even messed it up for Sam. He's trying to, uh, he, he's willing to host it or, or to, to help lead it. We, we're, we've got like six others already, but we'd love for you to consider getting into one or just start by coming tonight, you know, for just some fellowship. And, and seeing that, you know, it's okay. I'm a fool, but I'm going to be God's fool, <laughs> okay? I'm going to learn as, and keep learning and wanting to learn, okay? So don't be stupid. You need community. It's not just about listening to some dude on Sunday morning for 30 minutes and thinking, okay, got it. It's time to wise up. So today we've learned what stupid is, what kinds of stupid there are, and how not to be stupid. Will you pray with me? Lord God, thank you for this time, for um, this uh, hour of worship centered on your goodness and wisdom. And the wisdom you showed is in the foolishness of the cross, that you would sacrifice all for our sake, that you would give your, the life of your son to save us. We thank you for this, Lord God. We are amazed that you would even want us. Forgive us, Lord, for our foolish ways, We've been stupid. We've tried to live out of sync with, you know, choose whatever way we want to live and choose the consequences. We know it doesn't work. We've tried to live outside of our creatureliness and not realize the limits that we have. We've tried to act like there's no brokenness in ourselves or in this world, Lord God. Forgive us for those things. Forgive us when we've been way too simple and naive. Forgive us, Lord, when we've been too obstinate. Forgive us. <laughs> when we've even attacked those who might correct us. Change our hearts, Lord. As you changed Paul, as you changed Peter, as you've changed every one of your people, change us, renew us, and lead us so that we delight in your ways and your will. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.